0: Welcome to Employee to Lawyer, the employment law podcast presented by NELA Illinois, the podcast that discusses the policies, regulations, and laws that affect our workplaces, presented primarily from the perspective of employee or plaintiff side lawyers. We are your hosts, Amit Bindra and Max Barrick. We are members of the board of directors of NILA Illinois, the Illinois chapter of the National Employment Lawyers Association, a nonprofit collection of attorneys who empower workplace rights. And welcome back to Employee to Lawyer. I am Max Barrick, And I'm Amit Bindra.
1: And today we are speaking with Susan Gotham, who has more than 20 years of experience in human resources and recruiting. She is also the president of HR services at Gotham Professional Services. Susan graduated from the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. She, she has also served as the president of the Chicago chapter of the National Association of Wis- Women Business Owners. Susan, welcome. Thank you. And Good it's to Gotham, be here.
2: And it's Gotham, not Gotham. That is correct, although I never correct it. I'm just accustomed to it these days.
0: Thanks for coming on our show. You know, one thing that's great about you is you have this awesome perspective where you've worked with employees as a recruiter while also working in HR for companies. And I think you just started a new gig, I believe in HR, right?
2: That is correct. I'm now an HR business partner.
0: That's awesome. Especially because I just love pandemic success stories and silver lining. So that's great. So Let's just jump right into it. What are some common misperceptions folks have about HR, both from employees and from companies?
2: So I think on the employee side, really the misperception is number one, that we're working strictly for the employer and against the employee. Secondly, that we're the principal's office. The only time you come see us is when something bad is happening. You are not performing. There's a problem with your payroll. You know, it's always on the bad side and not that, you know, we can support your career or your your role in the organization. I think on the employer side too, uh, they think that if they have HR, all of a sudden they have an iron curtain. Like, and, you know, we're fully protected HR is doing their job. We have an iron curtain and sometimes they can act reckless. They feel like they can act recklessly because of that, but that's not the case. Or that again, HR is there really just for the bad stuff, you know, and responding to, you know, the negative things that are happening within the organization rather than helping to build the organization.
0: Those are both great points. How can HR support an employee and build their career?
2: So for for an employee, a lot of times we have a lot of resources and guidance as to where you could find additional education or additional resources. Great example right now, working with an employee who is struggling with getting all their tasks done. And so helping them to just even block their schedule and uh, making sure they have the right resources to be able to do their job or helping them to unclog. I might not be able to completely unclog a blockage in their day. But at least I can find that, help them and guide them through that. You know, we're a career advocate for you. We're going to help you in your career and we can give you good guidance. And also we can do, you know, we can help with benefits too, believe it or not. You know, in my last role working for a PEO, I had a lot of resources where I could help somebody. A bill wasn't right. I had employees calling me. I'm at the doctor's office right now. I need approval. Can you help me from the insurance company? So there are a lot of things that we can do. And we can also help you make better decisions to utilize, you know, employer benefits a 100%.
0: And for some of our listeners, who may not know. Can you tell us a little bit? What is a PEO?
2: Yeah. So, a PEO is a professional employer organization. Essentially, it's it can be 100% outsourced HR. So, you will, PEO will manage benefits, workers' compensation, and payroll.
1: Do they, now they're, I, I mean, I, in my own sort of business development, I've come across quite a few different PEO type organizations, you know, ranging in size, scope of services, and what have you. So, besides benefits and whatnot, I mean, I've seen it in certain situations where they're even signing as almost as co-employers hiring and firing documents. Yes, Um, Is that uncommon? Is that, you know, does that add up Add. I mean, I know my own view that it adds some liability to the PEO, but where do you, what are some of the distinctions you come across now and again?
2: Yeah. So almost every federal agency looks at us as co-employers. So when we think of department of labor, the IRS, even here in the state of Illinois, when you think about, you know, uh, into IDES and some of those things, we are all, we're considered co-employers. And so we are co-responsible, even when we go in front of something like the EEOC or something of that nature, a lot of times we are still viewed as uh, co-employers. So there's a very distinct, you know, differentiator on the federal and state side as far as who is how we're considered. So yeah, as a PEO, you definitely are taking on a lot of risk. And that's why I had the role that I had when I worked for them is is human resources. I, you know, to the uh, client or the employer, I looked like, you know, human resources and an advocate and support to my employer. I was protecting them and making sure that my clients were not doing something that could be risky to the PE. To kind of build on that a little bit Mm -hmm. more,
1: what are some of the advantages from the employer perspective to a PEO completely allowing them to outsource their HR?
2: Yes. So a couple of things, you know, number one, you're going to get a professional like myself typically that are going to be support for you. So support, making sure you're doing compliance, right? How hard is it as a small, you know, business owner to make sure you're in compliance every year. I, I always go back to when I think of like January 1st, 2020, after the mega session that happened in Illinois in 2019, think of all those laws, we all had to comply with a small business owner would just struggle under being able to do that. A lot of employers also utilize a PEO because it's assumed risk in a big pool, meaning workers compensation costs are driven down as well as benefits costs specifically in healthcare because now it's a much larger pool. So they have access to you know, more cost-effective benefits like healthcare, dental, and, and even may have a larger gamut. Additionally, um, 401k plans and pension plans are also co-owned and and managed as well. And then there's a full payroll. Payroll is a constant. That is, you know, if you're going to be in the PEOs, you know, some PEOs will allow for, you know, kind of pick and choose menu items, but payroll is the constant.
0: So you've mentioned this a couple of times now where sometimes companies want to do something that's risky or reckless. How do you navigate those situations?
2: So my favorite phrase is to say, what do you think a judge and jury just heard? Like I, that, like literally rolls out of my mouth a lot. So that's usually the first thing that's said. I'm sure as to attorneys, you can appreciate that phrase. So that, that's typically where I start with, but also, you know, really walking through, why are you doing this? Do you, what are the, you know, what is the end result? What are you trying to get to? let Let's look at how we're going to do that.
1: What is there something common? Like, you know, you said like, why did you just do this, something like that? Or let's think about how that would look in the, you know, cold hard light of a jury jury trial. What are some of the common troubles you'll see employers run into like that? Is it that things get personal and they want to really? you know, an employee has got to be fired and they just, it gets to be.
2: Yeah. A lot of times it becomes, it comes around terminations or coaching and corrective action, remaining consistent, using consistent, you know, wording, freezing that type of thing around those activities. That is probably where we get into the most trouble every once in a while. It's on the, you know, on the front end, on in recruitment or interviewing, you know, for example, I had somebody come to me and say, Hey, we're in the interview process. I'd like to do an FBI background check on a, you know, on a, a, on a potential employee, (laughs) you know, whoa, whoa, you know, danger, danger. Right. But again, it's stopping and saying, well, why are we doing this questioning it and, you know, redirecting.
0: That definitely raises a bad signal. There's my Batman joke.
2: Yes. Oh, us.
1: I was going oh, <laughs> to say, what was it for? Like some low level, like entry level job at something where they're like, no, we need an FBI background check.
2: We, thankfully, it was for a high level role. So it made me feel a little better. But at the same time, it was going to be a, a very large contributor role. But at the same time, you know, my I stopped immediately my tracks why do we want to do something at, at this intense of a level right now? What, wh- Where are we in this? What's our questioning? Why are we so concerned?
1: So I, I guess to kind of build on this, where do people get into trouble and what are some of the things you try to steer people away from? This is a really broad question. So feel free to say there's no way to answer that, but is there one, is there any overarching rulers? There's something common where you see just employment relationships go sideways, like, what is something that leads people to just butt heads? And it's like, these things become unselvageable you know, is it disciplinary people, just employees have misconceptions about what they're allowed to be told what to do. Employers kind of have a God complex about, well, I own the business. They shouldn't be getting questioned,
2: you know? Yeah. And it, it's a couple of things. I think you hit on one, like in the God complex or even just the, you know, sometimes that mentality you should be thankful you have a job like, just be thankful you have a job. While that was an okay culture and mentality years back, that's not what today's current employment looks like. And that's not where you're going to find success. Other areas, really a lot of times where I see just a lot of issues, um, especially with small employers, is when you're hiring family, friends, relatives, those in your network, that those types of things. That is where commonly things dissolve very quickly. What I've
0: noticed too, with smaller businesses, the separation is more of a divorce. I think it, it is a lot more personal. And I think mm-hmm. in those situations, companies are more likely to you know, try to enforce a non-compete or do something otherwise they probably wouldn't. So- yes.
2: And a lot of times, too, right, when you think about a smaller employer, you have this opportunity to be so much more collaborative, to have strong relationships with top level. That's why sometimes you join a small organization, right, because you want to be in the room and you're getting that opportunity to be in the room. That's a benefit uh, for working for a small organization problem is because you're so collaborative, because relationships become so personal, because a lot of times in a small business, especially at a management level, you're putting in long hours together. These personality things come out. And again, to your point, divorce happens
0: when you're a bigger chunk of the workforce from a percentage standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's a bigger deal than when you lose someone and they're going someplace else.
2: Right. Right. What, you know, if you're a 10 person employer and one person leaves, you lost 10% of your workforce.
0: And you don't know for how long. And now right. I think with smaller companies too, the culture
2: fit is a lot more important. It is 10% of your workforce. Right. Right. It can be 10%, you know, think about a five person company and it's 20% of your workforce right out the door.
0: So what advice do you have for companies then on the exit side, both big and small to make sure they don't run into problems?
2: So number one, obviously communication, putting in the habit of doing an exit interview with everybody, not select, but with everybody if possible. I also always say, unless this person really has a hard deadline that like the business won't succeed without this person meeting that deadline, get them out the door as fast as possible. It's just somebody is checked out and they're just they're not happy there anymore and they can really become almost a cancer in the organization and damage morale as they walk out the door. Again, making sure that you're having communication around IP and, you know, any confidentiality agreements that have been signed, non-competes, you're still having a nice conversation about that, but again, reminding them of those as well. And nicely do it. And I, I want to really asterisk that nicely.
0: No, I think that's great advice. But A lot of times too, folks don't know their obligations. They're not thinking through this stuff. Mm -hmm. So just having a conversation, reminding them of that can go a long Mm -hmm. way.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like culture and just sort of how you approach things can head off a lot of these nasty divorces, so to speak early on? Like If
2: if people are a little
1: more patient on the
2: front end and sink the time in up front? Uh, Agreed. Yeah, 100%. I also think, you know, just communication is so important. I always tell employers, if you think you're over communicating, you're maybe doing just good enough. So, you know, just really good communication, working together through things. Also, notice patterns, look for pattern changes. When there's a change in a pattern, there's something happening, address that you know, go ahead and address that and look at it. Again, a pattern change, I always say, it's like an iceberg. You're seeing the pattern change, like suddenly somebody has a tardiness issue or suddenly work performance is bad, or suddenly they're way more emotional than they've been in the past. Stop. And now, you know, go under the surface. What's really happening and and fix it there.
0: When that, it, you probably mean that almost at both a micro and macro level. So you have the yeah. individual employee pattern mm-hmm. changes but mm-hmm. is the company running into the same issue over and over again?
2: Yes. Yeah, and that can happen too. And so why why are we hitting our head against this? Why is this a problem? What is it that we need to do as an organization to address this? Is it a training issue? Is it a, you know, we think our work hours should be from eight to five, but, you know, there's a school right up the way or a metro step right up the way, and it's causing everybody to be late all the time. So can we flex that and change that? You know, sometimes it's really simple things that can change things. So
1: speaking to culture and just changing things, avoiding repeat mistakes, Mm -hmm. what are some some ways you you yourself or you feel HR can best help companies, not just avoid legal exposure, like not get caught for doing bad stuff, obviously, Mm -hmm. but like avoid the troubles that get you into that position in the first place.
2: Yeah. So again, I think one of the things that companies just don't do a good job of is training the entire team about how to take care, how to protect the company, and what HR can do, and what their responsibility is. And right, because if there's a problem in your department, I'm not necessarily going to know about it until you tell me, right? So it's really important that you educate everybody that is responsible for somebody else how to manage that, how to document. You'd be surprised, like just the basic act of doing documentation and creating a habit around that how much that would change.
0: I'm just going to ask, what's the most effective way to do those trainings? Is it virtual? Is it in-person, a combination? Does it I, matter?
2: I think it, it really, again, it doesn't matter. I think it matters to the company itself. How, how is the company best served in that matter? You know, it it could be either one and I've done a hybrid I've done, you know, where I'm sitting in a room with, you know, 50 people and then five people in, in Kansas and seven people in Kentucky and, you know, whatever are zooming in while we're doing that. Do
1: you, so, you know, Amit and I are primarily plaintiff's employment lawyers and that's sort of at least a good chunk of our audience. One of the ways that a lot of us often interact with HR is not on the front end, like yourself or people Mm -hmm. who are really trying to keep everybody straight and narrow, make sure obviously you're advocating for the company's best interest, but I I get the sense because you've told us as much and we can get the sense from talking to you. You're doing it in an ethical way that makes sure the company's doing things the right way. One of the ways... Folks like us will often interact with HR. Is you know in an adversarial process, right? We're coming to HR whether as a PEO that's defending an unemployment hearing, you know, deposing the HR rep in the course of a case, or doing discovery on hey, we have this harassment or discrimination or retaliation matter, or, or whistleblower. Who knows? Mm-hmm. HR got involved and seems to have you know sealed our client's fate without getting yourself into trouble. Are there are there ways you see companies or even employees get themselves sort of uh, up the creek, if you will, in how they approach these investigations like that, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think number one, if you are like, this is failure and you just, you know, just kind of melt down. I think that's part of the issue. Number two, there's an immediate circle, circle of the wagons mentality, right? sometimes that's not necessarily the case. You might need to circle the right wagons and get, you know, the right people, but you don't need to circle all the wagon. I really, in that scenario, I kind of, I love to go back to aviation because that's a part of our life as well. And uh, so in aviation, there is a, a phrase, which is aviate, navigate, communicate. So that is the order. No matter what is happening, the wing has fallen off your plane. You're going to aviate right you're going to fly what's good you're going to navigate you're going to get yourself to safety and then you're going to communicate and so many times in a situation like what you're describing where suddenly somebody's coming to depose or something like that the first thing we want to do is navigate run to safety or or communicate but when you're focusing on those you forget about flying the stuff that's good and your plane falls out of the sky
0: I love how you've dropped three awesome gems and phrases on us today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> those are Thanks. And those are catchy, too. I feel like those work if you're trying to train folks. It's about, you know, catchy slogans, and it's simple. You can kind of yes. understand where you're going. So yes. I, I guess to dive into that a little bit deeper, one of the mm-hmm. things that I feel like we see a lot is when the employee complains, listen, whether they're right or wrong, it is quite possible that they are perceiving discrimination in a way that the law does not recognize it. Mm-hmm. But one way or another, maybe they see some things happening. Do you feel that sometimes companies get defensive on that when maybe a conversation and a way to kind of make the employee feel inclusive doesn't necessarily mean it has to escalate or that you're admitting culpability in a legally dangerous way? You're just working with the employee and trying to figure out how to make them feel welcome or, right. or avoid this getting ugly you know, unnecessarily.
2: Yeah. And I see that a lot of times where some, you know, somebody's coming in and, and they are right exposing a situation, a phrase that was said or an action that happened. And one of two things happens we either go to this is a 10 emergency fire meltdown, you know, and, and again, circling those wagons, or the other direction it's zero, uh, you know, Johnny is a bad performer, anyways. And now he's complaining about this, right? So, you know, it's, I, the, the easiest thing that you can do, honestly, is listen to the employee, provide them with feedback and let them know what's going to happen. Thankfully, you know, here in Illinois, we are required to do harassment prevention training. And part of my training is to really talk about once you get that, um, that comment made to you or somebody saying, you know, that I've been harassed or discriminated against or whatever it might be how to walk through that process and then also a part of that process is communicating to the employee expectations and what's going to happen Johnny thank you for bringing that to my attention this is what I'm going to do I'm going to investigate I'm going to look into this and I will get back to you on you know Friday August 15th you know and then and by golly get back to Johnny on by Friday August 15th that is also a great place where employers really fall down, you know, cause I'm sure you guys see this, the employee, you know, makes the complaint, the company says, well, we'll get back to you by a certain date. And then they don't. And then on August 20th, the employee goes back again and then HR is scrambling.
1: Right. And then, and then all the trust is broken at that point. Right. Cause right. if they maybe did trust or believe HR might at least look into the situation, I mean, who knows mm-hmm. if they thought they'd fix it, but like at least somebody will give this the old college try and yeah. then they blow you off, or maybe they didn't, but they just don't tell you, hey, I need more time, or you know what, something came up, I didn't forget about you, right. you know, right. once that's happened, right, the trust is broken, right. there's no right,
2: faith. right, I would rather hear, like, I, you know, as an employee, I guess I'll put on that hat, I'd rather hear, hey, yeah, on August 14th, we're, we just, we haven't gotten our answers, we're still looking into this, I haven't forgotten about you, can you please give us until this date, you know, that type of thing, than just a blow off on the 15th or on the 15th. Oh yeah. Hey, we just didn't get to this. We'll, we'll circle back, you know, something of that nature. Do you
1: have any advice you would give an employee on the other side of it? If they're, you know, obviously you, you work with management, but your, your job's a lot easier and the company does better when everybody's on the same page. So let's say hypothetically you got an employee who's in a difficult work environment. Mm -hmm. Is there any advice you'd give them for navigating it for how to sort of tiptoe through whatever is a challenging situation. Well,
2: one of the things that I really like, and again, this is, you know, back to documentation. I I say that to the employee, you know, please go back and document or give me, you know, give me examples, tell me what's really going on and the best information that you can, because that's where I might be able to find patterns. Maybe their boss is, you know, doing something and creating a hostile work environment because their boss's boss is doing something to create a hostile work environment. So they're coming out of a meeting with their boss, you know, their boss is coming out of a meeting with their boss, right? And now they're, you know, acting out on an employee. You know, some, it can be something like that. So really wanting to know that. And then also from, I think what HR really needs to hear sometimes is what is it you want me to do about this? Because what my solution might be, might not be what you want. That might not pacify you. And then again, this is when it turns into they're calling you and their discrimination or harassment or whatever it might be. But sometimes it's it's something simple that you can take care of internally.
0: Hey, this is Ahmed and Max. Thanks for listening to Employee to Lawyer. I hope you're all enjoying the
1: show and the content and all of our guest stories. And we'd love your help in spreading news about Neil Illinois and the show
0: please encourage your friends and family to subscribe and share.
1: And if you happen to listen to us on Spotify or Apple podcasts, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a nice review. But only if it's going to be a five-star rating. Yeah. Otherwise we're all set.
0: To slightly switch gears uh, on a maybe more happier topic, when you're hiring an employee and you want them to be successful, Outside of training, what else should companies?
2: First of all, make it a big deal. So this is something that even I've experienced, where like the hiring process isn't a big deal, and I always am like, what, what, what? You just spent hours recruiting this individual, and you know when I had a recruiting um, company, you were spending a lot of money with me too. So really make it a big deal make them feel welcome, go through things. A lot of companies forget things like how to train on cultural norms, right? What are the cultural norms? What do we do here? You know, does everybody go out to lunch every day or does everybody bring their lunch and sit at their desk? Those are things that an employee should know and, and, and would give them, you know, success. I think it's really important to, to both in the interview and in the first few days, kind of understand where does the employee want to go with their career? They might not have that answer, right on day 2 but at least you're starting to have those conversations the other thing that is just so critical is one on ones so i'm a brand new employee right now right so i'm going through this process i'm having a one on one every day with my new supervisor outside of training we're having just a little little one on one session And then weekly, her supervisor is also getting involved and, you know, we're having a weekly and that's going to continue on. And this company actually has a culture of one-on-one. And I think that's so important to have the one-on-ones to be checking in and seeing what's happening.
0: And I felt that was incredibly important, especially at the height of the pandemic when onboarding new people, because everyone's virtual. So it's hard to understand who you're working with, company culture, all of that stuff. Right, right. Agreed. I'm also a big fan early on in a new employment setting of having some team event, a lunch, yes, happy hour, something where people. Yeah, sorry, I skipped
2: my favorite thing, which is having you know a lunch or a breakfast or you know whatever. Again, going make it fit within your culture at your organization but yes having that team type of building and that ability to do that also give them a tour walk them around introduce them to everybody and it's not just this is Jenny who works in accounting this is Jenny who works in accounting who's been with the company for 15 years and used to work in customer service and supported us in the warehouse you know giving all of that as well so they every employee knows all the players in the organization. Now, if it's a large corporation, it's a little bit more challenging to do. Maybe you're just doing that at the department level, or also, you know, where you work cross functionally. But in a small organization, yeah, you really should be introducing and giving.
1: How about a heavy drinking event where everybody is recklessly drunk in the middle of the day? That's a good get to know you, right?
2: Amazing. I <laughs> highly recommend it every time, along with handing out coupons for Uber rides.
1: <laughs> oh, you, I mean, do you like? Do you have any war stories surrounding anything like that? Like holiday parties that have gone awry as an HR disaster or the like?
2: Yeah, I, we all have them. We any, all have-
1: Any you can vaguely share with us or probably not?
2: You know, the ones that are always the worst- is the ones where it is in a banquet facility of a hotel. And I'm just, I'm literally going to leave it at that because that is always <laughs> where things go awry. <laughs> there's alcohol and there's a hotel. And I mean, just the two are not a good mixture when it comes to professionalism and employees.
0: The disaster waiting to happen.
2: Yeah.
1: Have, have you Have you ever had to fire anybody after holiday party shenanigans? Yes. Oh, that's too bad.
2: I think every HR person has, and if they haven't, they either haven't been working long enough or just <laughs> are turning a blind eye.
1: There's something about, it almost feels like there's something about it being a party where people forget you're still at a work event and like you still have to, you know, not, we're not at a frat party, not that that would make it okay. But... Right, right,
0: yes,
2: yes. Behaviors
0: still need to be maintained. Hopefully we're at the tail end of the pandemic, but do you have, obviously companies now are putting together their work from the office plans, their hybrid plans, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's changing. We're we're recording this in late July and there's more news coming out about Delta, but Mm -hmm. do you have any advice on sharing or switching from work from home to the office and how companies should put together their plans?
2: Yeah, so this is a challenge, right? So number one, looking at your culture, right? Number two, being empathetic. I think that's really key and remaining flexible. Yes, we want everybody back in the office. From an employer standpoint, I know just monetarily they're paying for this office space. Let's, you know, let's use it. I think too, from a collaboration standpoint, it it is important, even from a social standpoint and a mental health standpoint, it is important that you are engaging with others and not just living in a cocoon or a bubble. But again, there needs to be flexibility. I know prior to the to COVID, we said, Hey, everybody, you know, eight to five and it's eight to five. We're saying that you're doing it and you're, you're managing your life around it. And we did, but were we successful at it? I'm not really quite sure. In my opinion, I think COVID was the catalyst to break the bubble of we were really stretching ourselves then and as employees we weren't being flexible so look at where you can be flexible look at where it's not appropriate to be flexible but make sure to your flexibility is consistent there are going to be times where we are comparing apples to oranges so yes it's going to be okay but try and be as consistent as possible additionally remain empathetic and have plans what if so and so says no what if, what if that person goes part-time? What if that person completely refuses? Or what if that person comes in and says, you know, I have a doctor's note and I can't I can't come to work. How are we going to manage that? Or how are we going to manage if somebody doesn't want to be in a conference room with somebody that's unvaccinated? So have plans in place to manage and just like think of every scenario. And even when you think you've crossed every I and dotted every T and you've come across every scenario, there's more scenarios that are going to come.
0: Yeah, for sure. For example, what if this we have to do more lockdowns? We have more issues and we have to switch back. So Right. The consistency point, I think, is really important. You have to be, especially from a legal standpoint, consistent yes. with how you're doing your policies.
2: Yes. And I still remind employees all the time, and I say this to employers as well you did hire this person to work here. They did get to work every day and they were effective before this. So you can still rely on that. But maybe let's just see how we can make it easier or better. You know, other things, there are small tips that you can do. Like, for instance, if you're a Loop or a Metro employer, look into having the commuter on the FSA, you know, so that is kind of now offset because that's going to be an expense again that somebody didn't have or again the the dependent care spending and great right now we've got all these tax dollars too right for dependent care so be taking advantage of that as an employer know and understand that you might not know and understand how it works but know and understand that that's available and and to start telling your employees go to your tax preparers because now there's credit for that you're you're getting money into your account directly to pay for child care that you weren't paying for previously you know think again to like Remember, your employees were able at, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon if they wanted to, to run to the dry cleaner or to run to the grocery store. So what are some things that you could do internally to offset that? You know, maybe it's you offer dry cleaning service where it gets picked up or, you know, maybe you offer more snacks or something like that. So people, you know, aren't feeling that pressure of packing a, a meal.
0: Yeah. I call it the Google approach where you yes. kind of, you encourage people basically to stay on campus and you yes. make the benefits better.
2: Yes. Well, and, this- and I hate that approach. Like we're trying to get people to stay on campus. Cause let's be real. That's what Google's doing. If you yep. kind of, if you unveil the curtain, right. that that's what's happening, but these are maybe some things that you can use right now to make things easier of a transition. It's not such a hard smack when the employees come back to work.
0: We have one other segment for you, which is our shout out of the week. It can be a person, a book, a show. We just like to end these shows or episodes on a happy note. So it could be bad. It could be really be a pet. Exactly. Anyone you want to shout out could be Batman's cat. Alfred. Yeah.
2: So honestly, really, I want to shout out to team USA because I am a huge Olympics fan. Like it is not uncommon for me to be watching like handball at three in the morning because I just don't care what it is. I love the Olympics. So I want to give a huge shout out though, to team USA and all of the athletes, What a challenge it's been. What a different thing it has been. You're seeing just a lot of amazing stories. And, you know, I can't imagine having my biggest day of my life and my spouse isn't there to support me or my family who has supported me all the way up into this point. So, you know, huge shout out to those Olympians who refocused, who got very creative during lockdown and, you know, are having their glory now.
1: That's great. I'll plug the U S karate team. I did competitive karate when I was a kid. And one of the guys that I used to, I say compete against, but used to kick the ever loving, you know, what out of me <laughs> annually is on the team this year. So I'm right there with you. Yeah. Well, it and is.
0: I, it'd be so demoralizing too, especially for an Olympic athlete to go through everything they have to go through. And then 2020 gets canceled.
2: Yeah, exactly. Right. right. and And they're on a cycle, you know, like yeah. literally right now, they are planning for who is going to be in the 2024 Olympics. Like they're already in this cycle, they're already recruiting the athletes. So it's just, it is very interesting. So I love the Olympics. So shout out to Team USA. Keep it going. We are running the medal count. So I love every bit of it.
1: Anything to plug? To- so
2: the one thing I do want to, the- so I work for World Point ECC um, now. That's my company. That's where I'm doing my day-to-day work. And WorldPoint is a distributor of CPR training, both for the American Heart Association, as well as mannequins and other items that trainers need. So, you know, really good shout- uh, plug to the company if there are employers that are looking to To train, or you know, thinking about it, these are great materials. These are the American Heart Association standard materials, so you can train your employees. And really, I have some stories of where life saving because there were life saving trained individuals, it helped save lives at an employer.
1: Susan, if somebody wants to find you, how would they do it?
2: Best way to find me is I'm a social media LinkedIn. So on Susan. I think it's Susan Gotham on LinkedIn. If you want to connect with me just to have a conversation outside of, you know, my day-to-day business, my email address, which is susan.gotham at gothamprofessional.com.
1: All right, Susan, thank you for coming on. And hopefully not everybody can hear my dog, Barley, barking in the background. Well, now you can. Thank you to everybody for listening. Please subscribe
0: and share. Thank you again, Thank you. Our podcast is intended to provide general reviews of employment laws. The statements and opinions provided in this podcast are just that, the host's opinion. We are not your attorney. This podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship, and it's not intended to provide specific legal advice. For legal questions, please consult with an attorney.